this movie marked the end of an era and the start of a new one. Today I'm talking about Bonnie and Clyde. This is Scott's Indulgent Movie Podcast. movie friends welcome to scott's self-indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today i'm talking about bonnie and clyde another uh edition of our controversial classic series and yeah this one in particular it's kind of interesting because by modern movie standards it will probably seem tame but it was a big deal at the time so without further ado let's get started if you're into film history like me, you've probably heard of the Motion Picture Production Code, or Hayes Code, that ruled over Hollywood films from 1934 until the late 60s. This restrictive code, brought about by religious zealots, was designed to curb immorality on screen and targeted everything from violence, sex, and even casual references to homosexuality. But as the enthusiasm for movie musicals stagnated in the late 50s and the big innovations in film started to happen overseas in the early 60s, American filmmakers tried their hardest to bend and break this code. Some Like It Hot arguably got the ball rolling by portraying a man being attracted to a man in drag, but another iconic movie threw the doors open, Bonnie and Clyde. It was a movie that was so successful with critics and audiences that it inspired the New Hollywood movement and triggered the creation of the MPAA rating system that remains to this day. However, watching the movie now, it might be hard to see what the big deal was, considering the level of on-screen carnage in a single John Wick or horror movie and how intimate modern sex scenes can be, Bonnie and Clyde is very tame. So what made this movie such a big deal and does it hold up? Let's dig in. Following the infamous bank robbers from their meeting until their violent end, the movie takes place during the Great Depression, as Clyde Barrow runs into Bonnie Parker after Clyde tries to steal the family car. Drawn to Clyde's promise of excitement and riches and a life away from her humdrum hometown, Bonnie and Clyde become small-time robbers, but when that thrill and money isn't enough, the duo begin targeting banks and earn a whole new level of police and national attention. At first glance, you might assume that Bonnie and Clyde was controversial because it talked more frankly about sex than films of its era, and included bloody violence, including the iconic and awful death of the two lead characters at the film's end. Uh, Spoiler alert for the lives of Bonnie and Clyde. And that's partially right. In the context of the films before it, Bonnie and Clyde would have been a rude awakening to the chaste movie landscape that came before it. No matter how achingly romantic or passionate a drama was, or how many people died in a war movie, none of them packed the same punch as Bonnie and Clyde. A giant hurdle in the relationship between Bonnie and Clyde is that Clyde can't get it up. He's literally impotent, and the movie treats it like a big deal when he finally surpasses whatever physiological block he had in his head, and is able to consummate his relationship with Bonnie. And the shootouts are just as rough, if not rougher. The shootouts in this film are not glorious. They are terrifying. Bullets fly everywhere, collateral damage, be it people or property, runs rampant. And those bullets also tear through bodies and leave bloody wounds in their wake. Even three-hour war pictures like The Longest Day didn't have that much carnage on screen. Granted, this might be easier to ignore as cheap thrills if the movie wasn't so well made. The movie is filmed beautifully, shifts readily between black comedy to dramatic chaos and back, and captures a sense of feckless melancholy that still resonates today. It's still an effective movie, and audiences loved it. 
Which brings us to the second big reason that Bonnie and Clyde was considered so controversial. The reason Bonnie and Clyde was such a big deal isn't solely because it had violence and talked about sex. It was because it was a major motion picture by a big-name studio and was incredibly successful. While the Hayes Code was already on its last legs, it really needed something to make it look and feel obsolete, and Bonnie and Clyde did exactly that. Critics pointed out how the more realistic violence felt proper to put on screen as the Vietnam War ramped up, and how elements like Clive's apparent impotence felt more human and interesting than a parade of straightforward heroes and villains. Which wasn't something a grindhouse gore or skin flick could do. The movie was put out by Warner Brothers, made over $70 million on a $0.5 million budget, got nominated for a pile of Oscars and won two, and featured a number of up-and-coming and current movie stars. It wasn't a Harold Gordon Lewis picture that only made it to CD theaters. It was a big deal. It also wasn't appropriate for all audiences, and Hollywood didn't have a method for conveying that. At least not yet. By the end of 1968, only a year later, the MPAA rating system was put in place to let audiences know what movies were and weren't appropriate for kids to see. Like many benchmark films, Bonnie and Clyde's controversial elements are tame by modern standards. But the reason it is remembered isn't just because of the controversy. It's because it's a great film that broke boundaries and in many ways changed American movie making forever. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.